This is C-SPAN's The Weekly for December 7th, 2018. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. The start of the 116th Congress is just weeks away. Will it be different with a divided government? The Senate controlled by veteran Republican leader Mitch McConnell and the House with Nancy Pelosi returning likely as Speaker. Will they work together? And how will they deal with Republican President Donald Trump? The Weekly Standards executive editor Fred Barnes joins C-SPAN's The Weekly podcast to answer those questions, also discussing the future of The Weekly Standard and his thoughts on the passing of former President George Herbert Walker Bush and the 41st president's place in Republican political history. Fred Barnes, let's begin with the congressional leadership in the next Congress Mm -hmm. and a piece that you wrote recently about Senator Chuck Schumer. Life is about to get more difficult for him. How so? Uh, Because he is uh, (laughs) he'll be the Democratic leader in the uh, one House of Congress that is still held by Republicans and and held by, I think, one of their most talented uh, majority leaders ever, uh, Mitch McConnell. And and, and for Mitch McConnell, he's delighted because he's got two more votes than he had the last time to picking up two Democratic seats uh, in the midterm. So I think it's going to be very, very hard. Taming the resistance, that's its also Chuck Schumer's job. Uh, look, they all showed up in the election, and I don't think they're going to be calm in uh, what they're expecting uh, in the next two years. What are the lessons from the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation process? The lessons are uh, we've changed completely in how we uh, – pick and then particularly confirm or not uh, Supreme Court nominations. It's all about ideology. It's all about partisanship. And I'm afraid uh, that's not going to change. It's It has very little to do with the judicial talent and experience and prowess of the uh, of the nominees. It's, uh, you know, who nominated them, what's their background politically and uh, ideologically. And it gets nasty. We talked with Senator Claire McCaskill, who was Mm -hmm. among those Senate Democrats who lost. And and she said that the biggest mistake Democrats made was withholding that information. It should have been given to the FBI earlier, making this turn political. Yeah, Uh, I think it probably would have turned political anyway. But uh, but it made it even more political that they, you know, Democrats had sat on it and we're going to whip it out uh, uh, at a a time that would have the most dramatic and political effect. And it certainly looked like that was the case. As you look at the Senate leadership on the Republican side, uh, how would you describe Mitch McConnell? What's his approach? Why has he been so successful? Uh, Well, one, he can pull his coalition together. It's been amazing. You know, I mean, he's had this thin margin of a vote or two, three now, uh, and and getting them all together. You know, they go from... uh, uh, moderate to uh, uh, liberal uh, Republicans like Susan Collins of Maine to, uh, you know, Ted Cruz and a a few of those folks. It's quite different how he does it. uh, He is, you know, the one trait that uh, strikes me, the the, uh, uh, strongest trait that Mitch McConnell has is he's patient. He can wait a long time to pull things together. And and when he thinks he has the votes... uh, may take months, but uh, and then he'll uh, 
uh, schedule a vote on on what he's been uh, hoping to vote on but didn't have the votes before. If you were to talk to him, how does he explain his expertise on the Senate rules, and why is that one of his passions? Uh, because it makes a big difference in the Senate. Uh, you know, that's what's, that's one of his great strengths, and he has he has many uh, uh, strengths. Uh, he's kind of secretive, <laughs> among other things. He doesn't, uh, you know, I've had Republican senators who are actually kind of close to him tell me, Mitch McConnell doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> Really, and uh, he uh, there's I can't think of anybody who who keeps things so close to himself as Mitch McConnell, and uh, and knowing the rules uh, is part of it. He once told me that the most important thing he has, the most important power he has, is the scheduling power. In other words, uh, you can't pass some bill if the majority leader won't schedule it for a vote, and I think uh, we've seen one. Uh, recently in the lame duck session where the uh, criminal justice reform bill, which has uh, which, which probably would pass if he scheduled it, uh, it's not being scheduled in the lame duck session and it'll be kicked over to uh, the next term of Congress. In a private moment, what is he like? Uh, he's, I wouldn't call him bursting with, uh, uh, candor about it. He doesn't tell you his plans. He tells you his opinions and he, he, uh, I know him pretty well. And I, and I think, uh, Republicans at least have never had as talented, uh, a majority leader as, uh, as Mitch McConnell. And, and, and it's funny one they're not personally close to. Why is that? That's just who he is. I mean, he's a he's a guy that uh, uh, doesn't like to tell you a lot. And uh, it, although I'll have to say uh, this time he has made one thing clear, and that is what is he most interested in? Conservative judges. And he's really specialized in that and, and uh, worked uh, with the— uh, a Judiciary Committee and, and Chuck Grassley, the chairman, he's on board and Trump is and, and uh, he's really worked wonders there and that's what he wants to do. That's what he wanted to do most, but not only uh, in uh, in the first two years, but since he knows that with Democrats holding the House that he's not going to be able to uh, pass uh, policy legislation uh, so his job in, in these two years uh, is one block uh, Democrats and two uh, confirm more judges. Fred Barnes, how would you describe the relationship between the two leaders, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell? Uh, I don't think they have much of a relationship, and I don't know how Chuck uh, uh, Schumer uh, uh, feels about. Uh, uh, McConnell and, and you know I don't think he could feel favorable toward him because McConnell keeps cleaning his clock and uh, you know and Schumer uh, look I wouldn't want to be the Democratic leader uh, against uh, McConnell who has more votes than I do <laughs> and he can manipulate and, I mean it's hard and uh, and of course uh, the uh, Schumer has a lot of Democrats that want to be more uh, bold uh, uh, policy-wise and ideologically than than Schumer thinks is good for Democrats. Let's turn to President Trump and Senate Republicans. Mm-hmm. What can we expect beginning early next year? Uh, well, not a whole lot. 
the uh, I think the whole uh, I, I thought you were going to ask about the next six years because I think we're going to see uh, a uh, the Trump term and I'm assuming here that he's reelected although I I think my doubts about whether he can be reelected were certainly raised by uh, the midterm result. Uh, and well, well, to that point, because you wrote, quote, President Trump is in deeper political trouble than he thinks. I think indeed I, I think he is. And I, and I can tell you another person who uh, suddenly thinks he's in deeper trouble than, <laughs> than he thought. And that's me. I thought he was going to be really cruising into this uh uh after 4 years and uh and and, and have expanded uh uh his base uh and he hasn't done that quite the uh, quite the contrary and he so I anyway I think we're going to see uh the, uh the next eight terms uh, eight years uh, six years rather if uh, assuming the Trumps reelected and it'll look like Obama's terms. Remember, Obama did great things in his in his first two years. He had these huge majorities uh, in the House and the Senate. Passed Obamacare, and and you know the I remember the uh, all all the money was spent to uh, juice up the economy and and so many other things. It was a very successful first two years. And in the uh, last six, zilch. One thing that this president and Congress have not yet addressed. The growing debt and deficit now mm-hmm. approaching twenty-two trillion dollars. Yeah, do debt and deficits still matter to Republicans? Yeah, they do, but not to uh, Republican President Donald Trump. I mean, he did. He just he uh, you know a White House aide, very senior one, uh, uh, told me that he has pressed. President Trump on doing something about Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and these entitlements. He said that the only way we can attack uh, uh, the deficit and the debt uh, in a significant way is to do something to uh, cut or at least uh, reform entitlements. And and Trump, uh, answer was, I'm sorry, I promise not to do this and I'm not going to. Let's stay in the Senate with one other leader, the president of the Senate, Vice President Mike Pence. Yeah. We've been hearing rumblings that um, he may not be on the ticket in 2020. What are you hearing? Uh, well, I hadn't heard that, I'll have to say. Now, maybe I'm not in the stream of knowledge uh, these days. Uh, uh, but uh, It came up at a news conference with the president about uh, three weeks ago. Yeah, no, I know it's out there. I mean, I've I've heard it from people now, but I I certainly had not heard it on my own. I've heard it from other reporters and and uh, and and uh, uh, members of uh, Congress who've heard it and so on. And uh, uh, well, for one, I think it make it'd be a mistake. It just would bring in a uh, it just ruffle the whole process uh, for Trump. Um, and I, I don't know. I it, it, Pence has been very good for him. Conservatives love Pence. Moderate Republicans uh, get along with him fine. Uh, I personally like him. Remember, remember what he did for a living before he, he became a member of the House? He he was a, a talk radio guy, and uh, not exactly like some of the wilder ones we have now. He's he's pretty calm, uh, but. Uh, you know, there'll be a lot of talk of this. Remember all the talk uh, that we've had on vice presidents? You always have this. You always have this talk, and then it doesn't happen. They they stick with the guy. 
Fred Barnes, let's turn to the House of Representatives, uh, a new speaker, likely mm-hmm. to be Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. How do you think she'll approach uh, her second try at this leadership position? Well, let me say one thing about her first. I, I, I think there's one word that really applies to her, and that is underrated. You know, she is she can really handle uh, Democrats uh, on the floor and her her caucus. She's very good at that. She did. uh, She did well on that before. Now, she may say things that that uh, don't sound uh, real uh, thought through, but sometimes. But she's uh, uh, she's pretty strong. She's tougher than she looks. You know, I think a lot of people think oh, she's a woman. She's very pretty, uh, and so on. I, she can't be, uh, you know, knocking these uh, guys around. And and but she does. She uh, she's really good. I think she's um, going to have a hard time because Demo- Republicans are going to have the votes to knock down. I think most of the things that Democrats want to try, and uh, and I'm not sure they had one. They've got to put together a, an agenda that. Uh, all or nearly all the Democrats are are in favor of, and I I think they're all over the lot left of center. There's a lot of room there, and they're in different places. As he steps down, what's the legacy of Speaker Paul Ryan? Uh, tax reform. You know that's why he's stepping down. He got the the big thing uh, he wanted. Uh, I've known him a long time. I knew him when he was. Uh, an aide to what was the senator from Kansas? Uh, anyway, he he, uh, uh, he and you know when he was just out of Miami of Ohio, where he went to uh, where he went to college, and uh, and loves to talk about the great economics professor he had there actually, and it it, it shaped his thinking. And then he was a, a real acolyte of Jack Kemp, and uh, um, and and I think he's a wonderful guy. The uh, you know he really there are not many. Um, People who come to Congress uh, because they're really bent on a bill or two. I mean, a big bill, and he's one. And it was, and it's tax reform and tax cuts. But candidly, didn't he and other House Republicans see the writing on the wall? Didn't they look at the map, the calendar, and the midterm election history and say, you know what? We're going to be in the minority. I don't want to stick around. Yeah, no, I think that's true of some. I don't think it's true of Paul Ryan. I think he was leaving anyway. But for all the others, yeah, I mean, that's why they set a record of of uh, members in the House uh, retiring. And, and what is the result of that? The result of that is you have more vulnerable House seats. If you have an incumbent running for re-election uh, who's gotten the uh, uh, all these votes before you know one of the uh, key things when you look at somebody uh, are they going to vote for you or not well if they have voted for you before well the chances are are better that they'll vote for you again and not some uh, guy stepping in to replace you who is not an incumbent obviously the house republican leader kevin mccarthy what is his biggest challenge in Um, the minority now you know he is um succeeding at much of anything. I don't think uh, it's going to be very easy for him. Uh, uh, Democrats have a pretty big margin, and they'll be able to pass a lot of things, and they'll be, you know, uh, not destined for success in the Senate uh, when they get there. But uh, um, 
that's a job. That's a job that's hard. But there's but there's one good thing about it. You can do a lot of stuff and not get blamed because you're not really responsible for anything when you're the minority leader. Uh, I happen to know Kevin McCarthy pretty well, and I I think he's uh, a, a very admirable guy. I think he's the best guy Republicans could have there. But uh, um, He's not going to uh, – people aren't going to say, uh, oh, boy, that uh, – you know, he really did a great job there. You don't get that credit. In the Senate, you can with a great a minority leader. So what will get done next year? How do you corral House Democrats, Senate Republicans, a Republican in the White House to move ahead on agenda items? I don't know. I think it's it's it, it's going to be hard. The uh, Maybe – uh, Republican, well, not uh, Republicans uh, in, in in Congress, but President Trump will have to turn to what uh, one block the Democrats, and two, and then turn to what uh, President Obama did, and that's executive orders. And executive orders, as uh, as we know, are things that can be overturned just by the uh, uh, the, uh, the signature of the subsequent president. And Trump has done a lot of that. He's wiped out a lot of stuff that. Uh, that uh, President Obama did, and you know, and, and and the things he's done, Trump has by executive order, and not as many, but uh, I mean, they're very vulnerable too to the next president. So, as somebody who knows well, Leader McConnell mm-hmm. and Leader Nancy Pelosi, how will these two work together? Um, I think they'll work together uh, uh, better. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's a, um, I think. Uh, a, you know, a genial, a nice person, and so on, and and uh, and you know, when you get uh, uh, <laughs> one McConnell in there, and then Schumer in there, and they, you know, they'll say they're friends and everything, but I, I don't think they have much of a relationship. Fred Barnes, you've been around Washington for a long time. Can you compare what we're about to enter with a Republican in the White House? divided Congress to President Clinton, President Reagan, or another president in Congress? Uh, well, I think it's uh, one we've just seen, President Obama and a Republican Congress. And we saw what happened there. He was with these big Democratic majorities in both houses in the first two years. He got Obamacare and a lot else. Uh, was a very successful president. And then if you remember 2010, Republicans won the House. And in 2014, they won the Senate. And it, it meant uh, that after this very successful legislative uh, two years, the last six years were not much for Obama. And, he, and the things he did uh, were mainly by executive action. Trump has overturned a lot of those, but it, I think Trump, if he's in in for eight years, will have something uh, uh, very similar. You know, strong first year. You know, the tax bill passes. You get a lot of judges. You do a lot of deregulation and stuff. And the last six years, zilch. One of the other issues that House Democrats will be facing investigating this president. Yeah, will they overreach? Uh, probably, but uh, they're ready for it, and it'll be the most exciting thing going on, uh, for sure. You know that uh, subpoena power is a big deal uh, in, in the House. You know, you don't get to, uh, uh, <clears throat> you don't get to 
uh, confirm, you know, uh, ambassadors and Supreme Court justices and so on. But it's much easier to subpoena because in the House, the chairman of a committee has full power. He can subpoena uh, and, and issue them. In the Senate, you have to get both the uh, chairman of a committee and the ranking member of the other party. Harder to do it there. So be, the House will get a, a lot more attention than it has uh, recently. And, and it'll, you know, they were going to... Uh, these hearings are going to be wild because, you know, uh, uh, Democrats sort of disturbed and interfered with uh, uh, some uh, some of them uh, when Republicans did them uh, in the last couple of years. And I think uh, Republicans will answer uh, in, in form and, and I think they'll be raucous uh, and uh, wild. Let me turn to two other subjects. First, some news that I know hits close to home. You are mm-hmm. the executive editor of the Weekly Standard. Mm-hmm. What's the future of the publication? <laughs> the uh, I really don't know, but at the moment, it, it's uh, I have to say the magazine is in crisis. Um, I'm uh, I may be executive editor, but uh, <laughs> but you know, in journalism, uh, the reporters and editors and stuff sneer at the uh, titles it politicians have and then love them themselves executive editor i'm not really an executive there i mainly write pieces and uh, but i have some authority because i'm one of the founders of the magazine back in 1995 we started it with rupert murdoch's money and the and uh, it's uh, we just have to wait and see we're going to know in a couple of weeks what the future of the standard is Will it continue? Will it be a website? Will it be uh, swallowed up by the other publication owned by uh, uh, Phil Anschutz, who had bought the, uh, the Standard uh, uh, from Rupert Murdoch and and owned the uh, the uh, exa- Examiner as well? And the Examiner is going to be made into a national magazine, and uh, and will the, uh, the Standard become a part of that? Will I have a role? I don't know. Uh, I'd certainly like to. What does this say about the state of journalism and the state of conservative publications? Um, well, uh, one there is, look conservative publications. It's easy to, to uh, uh, say what uh, the problem they have is, and and it's what I tell people when they ask me uh, what's going on in Washington, and I say one word: Trump. And Trump is a very divisive force among conservatives. There's some. I mean, we know all the, on all the, uh, you know, people who are never Trumpers, and some of them are, are major figures in, uh, like my colleague Bill Crystal, major figures in uh, conservative journalism, and it, and he's been critical of the president. He sure, <laughs> you're putting it mildly. He certainly has the uh, and um, and I'm not a I'm not a never Trumper. The uh, but there's a lot of ground in between there. Uh, the, um, and so that has hurt uh, the conservative publications. You know, you know, the, the Trump is uh, surprising to me, but awfully popular among conservatives. I think the polls show him eighty percent are uh, happy with him, and uh, and so and they don't want to read in conservative public uh, publications that they pay money <laughs> to get. They don't want to read a lot of uh, uh, knives stuck into Trump and. You know, they get it in National Review, get some in the Weekly Standard, and it's it's, uh, a problem. Finally, we have just completed a week of tributes, 
celebrating the life of George H.W. Bush. From St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston on Thursday, there was this. The song, the music, and the tributes for former President George H.W. Bush. Fred Barnes, as you reflect on this week and the ceremonies in Washington and in Houston, what are your thoughts? Well, I loved everything they did in Washington. I mean, it's just, I mean, this is one of the things that uh, America does great to bring the country together uh, pretty much uh, and remember uh, a, a president. I think one of the things that was good about it was I think it, it showed uh, uh, people that uh, that Bush uh, was a more significant president than they'd thought. You know, people forgot about uh, how tricky the unification of Germany was, and among other things, and uh, and that he'd done the uh, I forget what you call it the. Uh, 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 the bill that made it easier for uh, disabled people. Americans to, with disabilities. Yeah, yeah, to function in society. Great, uh, a great thing. And, of course, there's a great contrast, and that is between the personalities of George H.W. Bush and Donald Trump. Donald Trump's personality uh, got him elected, you know. The, uh, the, uh, Donald never... Uh, apologize Trump, <laughs> which, you know, that's one of his rules. Never apologize. People will think you're weak. Uh, and uh, uh, and it worked for him getting elected. Uh, it killed him in Republicans in the midterm. You know, I, told you, I just talked to so many Republicans who said, you know, nothing happened this election. It was all these people. They decided, you know, soft Republicans and so on, suburbanites. They decided, look, they don't like Trump and they're going to stick it to him. And the only way they could uh, was <laughs> vote against me, Republicans would say. The uh, and uh, I think it uh, Trump's going to have to work something out if he wants to win. He he can't be, you know. Richard Nixon used to advise against shooting down, you know. And Trump likes to, you know, anybody that uh, no matter how small a figure they are, if they criticize him, he wants to knock them down and and does. I think he's going to he would benefit from uh, adopting a little bit of George H.W. Bush's personality. Not a personality transplant, but just take some of it. Among the tributes, among those who eulogized former President Bush was the former Canadian Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney. Here's a portion. At his first NATO meeting in Brussels, as the new American president, he sat opposite me, actually, that day. George was taking copious notes as the heads of government spoke. We were all limited in time. But you know, it's very flattering to have the President of the United States take notes as you speak. And even someone as modest as me (laughs) threw in a few more adjectives here and there to extend the pleasure of the experience. After President Mitterrand, Prime Minister Thatcher, and Chancellor Kohl had spoken, it was the turn of the Prime Minister of Iceland, who, as President Bush continued to write, went on 
and on and on and on, ending only when the Secretary General of NATO firmly decreed a coffee break. George put down his pen, walked over to me and said, Brian, I've just learned the fundamental principle of international affairs. I said, what's that, George? He said, the smaller the country, the longer the speech. <laughs> so Fred Barnes, a little bit of humor during yeah. that eulogy. Yeah, that was a great eulogy. And I, I've seen uh, uh, the Canadian prime minister in action before. And uh, he, he once when I asked a question at something in Canada where Bill Clinton had gone, he answered the question and he used my name. You know, he said, well, Fred. And I was stunned how does he how does he know uh who i am and the uh, and he did because he was you know they watch a lot they watch the mclaughlin group and other american news shows they really pay attention great i loved i loved his speech it was my favorite one and 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 he did it the right way i love guys who who not just guys gals the uh, who don't just read a speech but they look at it so to, to remind them uh you know what the, the subject they want to switch to and so on he was so good and i i don't know maybe uh, uh you knew that he would and his wife would spend labor day weekends every year with the bushes i guess at kenny bunkport uh gee i'd love to have been there one final question with regard to President Trump, who was in the front pew, what do you think he was thinking during the service? I'd rather not be here. <laughs> he didn't look comfortable. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, the next day, a lot's been written about this, you know. I mean, he's there with his... Uh, oh, geez. Uh, the, uh, um, you know, I think he needed to uh, uh, lighten up. Fred Barnes, thank you very much for stopping by the C-SPAN Radio Studios here in Washington. We appreciate your time. Good. I enjoyed it. And a reminder, this podcast, The Weekly, is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Also on the web at cspan.org. Thank you for listening.